0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk and joining the show now. He's one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball, a three-time national champ and basketball Hall of Famer. It's Jim Calhoun. Coach, thanks so much for joining the show.
1: Good morning, Joe. I hope you're doing well. I'm not doing bad at all except for the fact that you and I know I struggled with the uh modern technology kind of thing you know (laughs) face to face with people well no it's you know getting kind of used to being all over the place but uh, setting the whole thing up
0: isn't my strength exactly Uh, i mean coach i know you're used to 20 30 years of face-to-face press conferences i'm sure now in this era of zoom it takes some adjusting for everyone the only good thing you can shut it off (laughs) (laughs) i mean absolutely you you could ask a reporter to leave but they probably won't (laughs) but uh, that's you know here you can hit a button uh, that's a good point. You know, I'm going to tread lightly now that you just mentioned that. Okay. Um, <laughs> coach, I-, I want to start with your return to coaching. You-, you ended about a six-year retirement to become the inaugural head coach at the University of St. Joseph at D3 school in Connecticut. Why, after such an incredible career, after a Hall of Fame career at Northeastern and Yukon, why the move to D3 after retirement? Well, wasn't the
1: move to D3, per se? What it was is, is I was doing ESPN for five years. Mm-hmm did a whole bunch of Big Ten games, so I'd get together with uh, Tommy Izzo and other guys that are friends of mine, John Beeline, et cetera, and maybe go out for a meal the night before. I mean, great stuff. Then I'd go to shoot-arounds. Then I'd, maybe the day before I had gone to practice, go to the game, get in my car, and say, geez, that was really good, exciting, maybe like seeing the game played well, whatever it may be. And I realized that here I am all these years in the game, and I wasn't in the game any longer. I didn't have I didn't have any uh, sweat in the game, I had no equity in the game, and I missed it, and I missed uh, watching my guys grow, watching the guys that we had develop away from the court. With that said, um, a friend of mine at St. Joe's asked me, a former athletic director, would I help him pick a coach, and we went through a month of that, and finally he said, someday you talk like you'd be the coach. I said, no, no way, and then I met Rona Free, Dr. Free, our uh, president. And she said, I said, well, I'll come to help. I'll come to help you in the first year of basketball, whatever we, we call myself consulting. And, you know, three months later I was coaching and
0: here I am. <laughs> and the rest is history. Incredible. Like <laughs> Coach for you, what's been the biggest adjustment moving from a D one powerhouse to the inaugural team at a D three school? Well, that's my paycheck. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, the, uh, the the Catholics, and I'm a Catholic, take a vow of poverty and mm. expect all the others who work for them to do the same. And therefore, it, that's the biggest suggestion. <laughs> no, you know, kids are kids. I have a good player here, Delshawn Jackson, who averaged 19 points a game, and a so small 2 god, But just like Kimber or whoever else I have coached, they want to win, too. And that's a big, big deal. They want to win, too. In some sort of ways, I think that we have eight of our 14 players that are on the list. I think some of the guys truly understand this may be it. That atmosphere doesn't perviate when you get to a game, but overall, it might take a little more year of your discussion with some of the players, typically on a Yukon team, particularly in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years I was there, I might have one or two guys in the draft, four or five guys heading to Europe, and everybody else thinking they should be. So therefore, uh you know the, the thought process was kind of I'm not the thought process was different I'm not saying the basketball is different it is level wise but it's not even different as far as once again wanting to compete being the best you can be and
0: winning a whole bunch of games if we can I love it I mean you've said it coach the kids are the kids the game is still the game and, and you know mentioning that uh that vow of poverty that Catholics take I graduated from St. Bonaventure a little over a year ago which of course is a franciscan school and franciscans take that vow of poverty very seriously i can assure you that our coach mark schmidt does not take that vow of poverty too seriously that's that's the mayor of ole in new york right there
1: well he's done a great job there he really has like not nothing against st Bonnie's it's a good job and it's hard when you go up there i've only been there i think twice for basketball Mm -hmm. and uh it's a great atmosphere it's always been terrific going back to uh, you guys had, I think, a big center at one time, and uh, with twenty-two size feet. And uh, <laughs> you, you know, it's, my point is that Saint Bonnie's mm-hmm. has had a great the Sith brothers; they've had great tradition um, and special. But I would think that that he'd be an ideal candidate for quote a uh, maybe a power five program. But I think Saint Bonnie's is lucky
0: lucky to have him. Oh, we absolutely are. And I hope that not too many power five athletic directors heard you say that coach. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mentioned when I introduced you the three national titles, uh, I want to start off with what I think was your best team to never win a title, the 0809 Connecticut Huskies. That's the team that made me fall in love with college basketball. My favorite player was Hashim Thabit. Coach, what was so special about that team that made an incredible final four run that year? Well, we had great size, and we really did. We had terrific
1: size up front with uh, Jeff Adrian certainly with the Uh we, we had good guy play. What we missed on that particular team probably was pure um, – Kimball was a freshman. A.J. Price played in that team. But there was a kid named Jerome Dyson who we of lost. Of course. And Jerome, we were 24-1 and 1 when he went down. For the rest of the season, we, we didn't lose a lot of games. We lost like four more, but we were like down the stretch five and four when he could hurt and I don't think it ever gave us the quick gun off the bench, which he was a great defender. And that was kind of missing, but you know, I, I still go back to, to the old six game uh, season with Rudy Gay and some of the other great players we had, we only had one point guard, Marcus Williams who played, you know, five years in the league and then played over Europe, really good player. But when he got involved, trouble, it didn't allow us to get to win a national championship with that team. So you get teams, you know we good. The best team I ever had was 204. Six first-round draft choices. They didn't go all at once. But remember that year, uh, Michael Okafor went, went two, and Ben Gordon, his roommate, went three. <laughs> and then we had a, a bunch of other guys, four other guys who were drafted in the first round. So, you know, there's a lot of terrific teams, and that was really a fun team. that kind of came out of nowhere. People didn't know how good sheen was. And Jeff Adrian was great. Adrian Price, who played six years in the league. Kimber Walker, obviously, has has proven he was pretty good himself. And anyways, bottom line is uh, you go through the season, and yet the '11 season, our last national championship, under my coaching, but our third, um, it didn't seem like you're going to have seven freshmen, a couple sophomores, and and Kimber. And I say and Kimber, which should have been Kimber and, you know, (laughs) because he just had a great season, but more importantly, he had a great 11-game run.
0: Yeah, and coach, that's that's what it comes down to. You know, your first two national titles at UConn, they were the more powerhouse start to finish teams. But that last one, having to play on the first day of the Big East tournament, which, you know, to me is more grueling and more taxing on the body than the NCAA tournament. You know, you had to play five games in five days against essentially all tournament teams, I believe, except for your first day. Uh, what was that like, that run, watching Kemba just lead the charge? Does that make 2011 the most memorable national title for you?
1: Well, they are you know, in Connecticut for many, many years they wanted to make the tournament, wanted to get back and play, hadn't done there for nineteen years, so we first made it in ninety nine. And so that first championship in state was like magical. It really was. I there was no place I could pump gas or just go any place and, and they would let me pump gas, by think, And they put it in for me. But no, I I I think each one has its own significance. Ninety nine was a special team, thirty-four and two. The uh Team with uh, the other guys that it was really special. 204 is the best team I ever had. Talent was. Mm. We had everything you need. And uh, the 11 team was, was kind of a, just out of nowhere, the younger guys became old. You got to remember the backcourt, though, was Kimball Walker, a four time All Star, Shabazz Napier, five years in the league, and Jeremy Lamb, who's with the Pacers now. He had three pros in the backcourt. Even though two of them were young, under Kimball's leadership, that team became special particularly during the
0: tournament. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been proven, you know, guard play is really what wins championships more often than not. And you've had incredible guard play. You know, looking at Kemba Walker and where he's at now, signing with the Knicks, agreeing to a buyout with Oklahoma City, which I think everyone can agree would not have been a good situation for him. What will Kemba bring to a Knicks team that is coming off its most successful season in arguably decades? Well, the only thing
1: I'll say about, about the fact of him being traded uh you remember the coach of uh, Oklahoma City, Mark Dignall, mm-hmm. is a former manager of ours. He managed to get his master's degree at Yukon. Never the only way he touched the ball was put it in the rack or pass it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, he's now an NBA guy. And you know, I agree to though know, despite having a Yukon guy there, Kevin needs to go to win and during the time he's proven anything else in his career. Now he has to prove he's healthy again. We've talked about that. He's doing rehab all the time. I have no question that I know one thing. I've never seen him so determined as to show people he's not done yet.
0: Well, as a Knicks fan coach, that excites me to hear. I can't wait to see what Kemba brings to a team that, you know, was really missing a a top-notch point guard. You know, our our backcourt was our weakness this year, and I think that's why the Knicks got bounced so early in the postseason. So having Kemba there will be incredible by the way coach just a, a little side note about that 2011 team that was the yep. first time I ever won my bracket once I saw you guys steamroll through the Big <laughs> East tournament I, I just I knew that three seed was going to go all the way so well, to uh, me uh, you know, that after, was a fun season
1: it was a very fun season I just think that it did prove to me after all the years of coaching that kids are so like I'm saying about uh the University of St. Joseph's our kids were 26 and 3 past year we only played five games we were three and two mm-hmm. but but 26 and three because they wanted to win and the more we won the more we won and I, it kind of it builds upon itself but but I, you know I, I i think the biggest problem with with the arc was they they don't get easy hoops mm-hmm. everything has to be worked their best player at six foot eight not whatever he is has to go out on the wing and create with Kemba, that won't happen
0: yeah no absolutely not hey coach you know i want to kind of circle back to that 08-09 team that I had mentioned before. Like I said, the first college basketball team that I really remember watching and falling in love with. Hashim Thabit, he was one of the best players in the country that year. He was, I believe, the second pick in the draft to Memphis. Why didn't he work out at the next level? A whole bunch of reasons, but the
1: dumb reason? Came along at the wrong time. Should have asked his mother to have him 10 years before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he became... What isn't doesn't exist in the NBA anymore? Well, you know, he's big, he can seven foot two, two sixty-five and mean, <laughs> block shots, he can rebound, score on the basket. Name someone in the league today that is quote, limited by the fact they can't pass from deep, make from deep, and maybe go buy it from deep. Every big guy has to have a three-point shot, has to have three-point ability, at least to spread five. And I've talked to some of the guys in the NBA um and they said he was a i mean he was a, a you know a, 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 a antique he was what the game was not that the mm-hmm. game was going to be and for that reason i said i i almost can't think Noel a little bit but i'm trying to think of guys now playing in the league who are like him and he got caught up in the fact the game was changing and the, he wasn't equipped that wasn't who he was but uh you know he's done all right he got four or five years in the league Taking China and a few other places. I would like to see him last longer because the job he could do of protecting the rim and getting rebounds and blocking shots, he did that very well.
0: No, oh, he was amazing to watch. You know, he reminds me almost uh, of another guy that you've coached who has had a successful career in the league, Andre Drummond, who, you know, has led the league in rebounding three or four times, has had on paper what looks like a great career and just signed a contract for the league minimum because he's an old school center and he's not the direction that the game is going in. If he had a jump
1: shot, a three-pointer, it would be entirely different. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's kind of funny because that's the root
1: of the game is, is to get to the rim either by pass or, or, or by dribble, uh, and yet today's game is they do all the analytics and tell you how much better it is. You know, guys will kid me to say, Coach, I took that shot because uh, I was open. They didn't play me. They know exactly what I know. That's why you get the shot open. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my point, they have a good And report. And I guess very simply, you see shots sometimes thrown up, and I'm, it's not something I – three points are great, but, but I, I think the only three-point shooters should be shooting them much more. Now, everybody's – you know, it's kind of like uh, my son used to talk about his kindergarten teacher has free activity, you know, do what you want to do. And I think that's it. Uh, it's too much free activity for me. And the bottom line is I think 100% right. Now, Andre, physically, though, is, uh, he did things his freshman year. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was about 12 points, about 10 rebounds. <clears throat> but he wasn't ready. My point being is that he can do things that i never had people, Rudy Gay, him, I had some athletes that did some special things. And, you know, he's still, I think, with the right team, he's a piece for somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I-, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that he, he should be so much better off than being a backup in Philadelphia. I think Andre Drummond is a starting center in this league, and hopefully he has a good year off the bench and then goes and gets starting center money somewhere else moving forward. Well, he's already made $125 million, so we're not going to have... But who's any... counting, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're
1: not... Well, we do. We do. We, we wanted to get to the point where some of our kids, Ray Allen, for example, made $200 million. Mm-hmm. You can Kimber is heading towards that. And my point being is, we did that for recruiting. We had a whole list of what each guy made. So a kid comes to us and we had, I think what the figure was, 29 guys that were at least five years in the league. And that, by the way, with a total of six McDonald's All-Americans in my 26 years. So you go to Kentucky, which has nine now, mm-hmm. gives you an idea that we, we, we're we more into developing plays and keeping them for longer. We only, Andre, by the way, is the only one done we had, which is unusual in this day and age. But anyway, getting yeah. back to the, the purpose, the game is changing and parts of the game I love, um, the competition I love. Um, and, uh, but it's, a, it, it, you're right, it's a different game.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. And coach, what I want to leave on is you know i mentioned that your uconn team is what helped me fall in love with college hoops i got a lot of crap from a lot of people because growing up i was a i was a uconn fan and a saint john's fan being from long island so people always gave me a hard time how could you root for two rivals but i just loved everything big east basketball and well
1: you know it's a special time I, I i've said this a number of different times i heard jimmy bayham a good friend and uh jimmy would say i i love the acc it's great for us mm. come on jim you know it's not true you know and uh, uh, not that he doesn't love it and his good friend Mike Krzyzewski, et cetera, Roy before he retired, but I, I, I have no doubt in my mind, none that we saw, like you see in the Southeast Conference between LSU and Alabama and so on in football, you saw in basketball you know, in 2011 people have no idea they say we want to have two or three teams come out of our conference, we only had 11 that year yes. 11 that may never happen again and all of them were good and I just think we say, the, and the coaches weren't drinking water and getting their hair fixed and looking at notes. They were coaching in a different sort of way. Yeah. Louis, one of my favorite characters of all time. Big John, who when I tried out for the Celtics, was my roommate, God rest his soul. And you go through the I mean, characters. <laughs> we had characters. And <laughs> we, had, we had a special, special time. And you as a young guy probably know that. You go to the Big East tournament. And there was, wasn't many things better in basketball anywhere, anytime.
0: No, I, I went to many Big East tournaments and, you know, I've gone in recent years and it's just, it is definitely not the same like it used to be coach. Uh, what, what would you say just leaving us off to summarize the Big East, you know, that 2011 season, you mentioned 11 teams being in the tournament. I mean, you had on the first weekend, Big East teams forced to face each other. That never happened inter-conference matchups. That no, we had, the to
1: play, we had to play Cincinnati. And my, my point being mm-hmm. I, I, is that, I hope that the Big East uh, has a, some of the problems in the future, after to play each other on the weekend. Yeah. And I think that uh, the Big East is still a very good basketball conference. The thing is that it was a magical time. Mm-hmm. Everything was magical. I, I still remember going back to the hotel, eight or nine blocks, walking afterwards with my wife and family. Then people on the street still talking about games they just saw. And it was, as I said, magical, special. And uh, for a guy who loves basketball, it was a great, great time.
0: Well, I hope it gets back there. Coach, best of luck with your upcoming season, and thank you so much for joining us here on Serralo Sports Talk. Thank you, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.